Friends, as you can tell, Matt and I have made a bit of a transition from where we were earlier. That was fun. We enjoyed doing that with you and, and being a part of that service. Uh, but now we wanted to be able to make that transition for us to share what's on our heart and what we believe that God has been revealing to us. That's so. awesome, Trent. I'm excited. Yeah, so a couple of days ago, I was with my roommates and I rewatched The Grinch. Now, I forgot that he ate garbage, and that was one of those things that I was like, oh, okay, that's a thing. Um, I personally, one of my favorite traditions with Christmas is being able to share a meal with people. Um, and as I sat there watching this video, I began to actually appreciate and understand why there might be people like the Grinch during the Christ Christmas season. Um, through a series of events over life, it feels easier and easier to sometimes let the despair win. Mm. To look around and see all that has gone wrong, all that is not right, and to dwell on that. Um, especially this year. Or I can appreciate why Scrooge um, from A Christmas Carol might exist, why that character would exist. A man lost in his own world, not looking up to see any hope, his bitterness just infecting everyone. You know, Trent, uh, the Christmas Carol actually has a special place in my life and my family's life. We have a routine. We get dressed up. We eat at the keg. We give toonies for turkey. I always make sure that I have a toonie in my pocket. During Christmas Carol, we're always reminded of how much we're blessed. I know that this season I have found myself stuck on everything I'm losing that I've forgotten that this season isn't about my Christmas traditions, but of the greatest gift ever given. It can feel like we're walking into this season with a bunch of regrets of all the things that we lost. I'm sure you, myself included, have traditions that we're missing. I'm sure you've found yourself maybe even wallowing in the memories and the loss of those memories. If you are, tonight I, I don't blame you. The dictionary defines wallow as to flounder about, to move along or proceed clumsy or with difficulty. Kind of sounds like how we're walking into this Christmas season, doesn't it? Yeah. You might even proclaim these words. I know I have. It isn't fair. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. Wallow and lament at first glance might seem sim similar. They, they both kind of have that same tendency. But they couldn't be farther apart. Let me explain. I described what wallow is. It's to flounder about. It's to, to move along, to, to be stuck in the mud. Lament is to feel, to show, to express grief. Maybe even to mourn deeply. Tonight, I want to remind you and I want you to know that it's okay to feel a sense of loss. But the big question that, that Trent and myself are going to ask you is, are you willing to turn lament from your, turn your wallowing into lament? Are you willing to include God in the disappointments that you're facing? 
Do you know that the, the first characters in the Christmas story actually had a similar feeling to what we're feeling today? It's so true. Could you imagine what it would have been like for Mary? She had a dream. Growing up, she would have had a dream of what it would have been like for her to marry and get pregnant, have children. And she had this image and this identity. And all of this in an instant is taken away from her. And Joseph and her, they might have talked about it. They might have planned things. They might have started building a home. And all of this has been turned upside down. You know, she's thinking, this, this almost sounds immoral. Like, how, how am I supposed to do this? And she's left with these questions. And then, as we know, she says yes to this whole path. And then we have Joseph too, right? Um, he no doubt was a hot mess in this all. That he was just confused, frustrated, terrified. He didn't know whether to believe his fiance or not. And it took divine intervention for him to change his mind. Because we all understand that this was not how it was supposed to be. And he was ready to do something about it. And so Mary and Joseph, a couple, they did not have, they did not have this plan to have a baby born in a stable. Of all places in the entire world, this is not where an early young couple would want to have their first baby. It's dirty, it's dangerous, it's uncertain, it's not even in their home. They don't have their moms around to help with the pregnancy and with the birth. This is difficult. And yet, this, though this was not an ideal for them, I am sure that there was this moment of deep Lament that there, were, they were woe, there was woe and wallowing, but then it, it doesn't look like that was actually the case. Hmm. There is something beautiful in the Christmas story. Something else emerges. What could have been wallowing in this, this is not how it was supposed to be. We see this sense, this, this focus, a couple looking deeper and deeper and deeper into the eyes of a child into a promise, into a promise that our God made and a God who is faithful, a God who has made a promise and he's now keeping it, albeit in a strange sort of way. A couple who is likely lamenting has now transitioned to a place of worship. A couple whose desperate situation is not on the subject, like the subject is not on their desperate situation. It's not the focus. It's become the backdrop of this truth that's become clearer and clearer. God has done a thing. God is with us. God is not an idea. He's not a philosophy. He's not an old legend that we tell our kids. God is with us. He is Emmanuel. God has entered into the mess of our lives and in this world. He gave up a throne to give us hope and salvation and peace. This moment feels like this great dramatic reversal of the first couple, Adam and Eve. So Adam and Eve, this first couple, they had no conflict, there was no drama, there was no census, it was perfect. But they believed a lie and not the goodness of God. All around them, they had good, but what did they do? They had their eyes set on the one thing that was not good. Their eyes are turned away from God and focused on what they don't have. And then we turn to this couple, Joseph and Mary, a couple where everything around them is, is wrong. Everything is a mess, but they believed the truth and trusted in the goodness of God. All around them was bad. It was um, 
turned upside down. They had the senses. They had conflict. They had drama. It was not okay. But they didn't look at those things. They looked at the one thing, the one gift that was good. They had their eyes turned away from the situation and they were focused on Jesus. The gift, the miracle, the promise fulfilled. They don't wallow, they worship their God by fixing their focus not on the lack, but on the gift. Hmm. Worship, it, worship is tough. It, it's tough to move from wallowing to worship. I just want to sit there and wallow. I want someone to listen to all the things that I have lost this Christmas. Will you be like the shepherds who turned to worship the baby? This Christmas, will you be like the wise men who worshipped by giving gifts to the child? What are you looking for this Christmas? I want you to listen to a story that's not necessarily attached to to Christmas. In Acts chapter 3, verse 1, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at about 3 in the afternoon. A man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate that was called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them like he did every day for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something, maybe some money from them. And Peter proclaims, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with him, with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. He was looking for money, but he received something that was of much greater worth. I'm sure that this man expected to never walk again, but God wanted to give this man an unexpected blessing. It's interesting that, that the man was placed at the entrance to the gate called Beautiful. This crippled beggar wasn't beautiful by anyone's standards. But God saw him that way. God chose to do something beautiful for him. This Christmas, although it isn't the way that we thought it would be at the start of 2020, it is what we've been provided with. God's love, God's forgiveness, God's mercy toward us are always found in worship. God loving us when we didn't love him is unexpected. God sending his son to take the penalty for our sin is unexpected. Not only forgiving us, but allowing us to spend eternity with him is completely unexpected. 
It couldn't have been written like the way that you and I would have wanted it to be written. My Christmas story would look very different. You know, we don't worship because of what it gives us. We worship because of what, he has, been, what has been given to us. And what's this gift? What do we focus on? We worship because we need a savior. We need someone to rescue us. We need someone to save us. We worship because we need a Lord. We need someone to guide us. We need someone to steer us. Matt, thank you. And this is why we worship. We need a savior. We need a Lord. This Christmas, there, there will be times of lament for all of us. And the key is not that we let ourselves slip into wallowing, that you would be like Scrooge at the end of A Christmas Carol when he says this, I will honor Christmas in my heart and, keep, and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall thrive within me. I will not shut out the lessons they, uh, that they teach. Um, what I love about that is that it kind of gives us a direction, not just why we worship, but how we worship. Because we are called to treasure the past, to dream of the future, and then to act in the present. Now, let me briefly explain. In Luke 2, uh, verse 19, it says this, But Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. Who else would have actually told this story to the writers of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? It, it would have been Mary who treasured these things and allowed her past, allowed her story to, to change this world. See, we, we hold on to the past. We look to the past. We treasure it because it helps us remember the goodness of God. It helps us remember our salvation. It helps us remember the gifts and the provision and the faithfulness of God. It causes us to remember that he is someone who makes promises and keeps promises. But then out of that place, because of what we know, because of this story, we know that we actually have a hope in the future. You know, where all that is wrong has been now made right. We have a hope that the broken pieces of this world are remade into a stained glass window of unspeakable, breathtaking beauty. Hope that we, like the shepherds who were cowered down in fear, were transformed into a people of wonder and awe where they were giving worship to Jesus. In Matthew 12, 21, it says this, In his name, the nations will put their hope. Mm -hmm. Hebrews 10, 23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. My friends, we have a story anchored in the past that gives us a true and a secure future. And out of that, in this present moment, in this very moment right now, we are able, because of this Christmas story, because we've accepted it as true, we have hope. And when we treasure the past and when we dream of the future, we can actually worship with our whole selves. This is the power of our God and the power of the Christian message. We can be honest that things have been hard, that things haven't been good, that we've been frustrated. 
We don't have to sweep it under the rug because we don't have to be fake. We don't have to hope like that because we have a true and secure hope. We can be honest. And in that place of honesty, we can allow our lives of worship to grow and be filled. Because that small baby Jesus, he actually wins. We don't have to be wishful in our thinking. We have in Hebrews 6.19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. This present invitation to worship is possible because of what God has done in the past and the promise of what he'll do in the future. You see, when we choose to be honest with our feelings, when we fix our eyes on the hope of the nations, this leads us to worship. This present moment, Emmanuel, God with us, this moment right now, there is a God of love knocking at the door of your heart, asking you to let him in, asking to fill that dark corner with a brilliant light. Asking you to surrender the loss, the frustrations, the it's not supposed to be like this and to say yes to Jesus because we need a savior. We, we need a Lord. But like the shepherd, um, how he eventually lifted his head from fear to worship, we must lift our heads from our wallowing and our woes to willing worship. We invite you to choose Jesus, to choose the peace, the hope, the joy, and the love that is Jesus this Christmas season. We're going to go from this time and we are going to sing. We are going to worship again. And we're going to conclude this service with joy to the world. And I just ask, we invite you that wherever you're at, that you would sing these next two songs with everything you have, that you would transition from wallow into worship. Amen. Amen, Trent.